Hello out there to whoever's listening. Uh, if anyone's listening, this is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to this third sermon from our fall-winter 2019 sermon series on our journey of becoming a Matthew 25 congregation. This sermon is entitled, A New Season, Prepared to Love. I invite you to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness as we prepare to think about this together. Okay, what I share for your consideration and imagination today is in response to the first of the three parables of Jesus from Matthew 25, 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel. And this first parable is the parable of bridesmaids or virgins, depending on the translation. Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. We are grateful for how God uses this scripture to shape and inspire and call us. So in the first episode we acknowledge that similar to so many other congregations, whether we like it or not, we're in a new season. The walls of our churches have remained the same. Our, our people have remained faithfully. And this congregation uh, has admirably worked to preserve the momentum, the familiarity, and the impact of our worship, our fellowship, our educational programs. But over time, We've seen at Valley Forge, just as so many other congregations have seen in their own context, that these known and familiar and preferable patterns have become less engaging to the world, especially the neighborhood around the church. The church now finds itself in a completely different world around us. So like it or not, we are in a new season. It is indeed a new world around us. Because of this, that which made congregations explode in membership in the 1960s is not that which will help to grow in power or work or witness today. By the help of the Spirit of God, congregations are starting to discern with fresh wisdom 
and as wise servants, uh, hearing the call to worry less about self-preservation of familiar patterns and to concern themselves more with faithfully serving God's will in this day and age. This is at the heart of the denomination's Matthew 25 initiative. This initiative is not just a program to encourage congregations to do good deeds simply for the sake of good deeds. It's a movement to change the ways that we think about our identity as the church and out from that new identity, that reformed identity, to make fresh decisions about worship services, educational and social gatherings, community witness, budgets, buildings, that are all inspired by our sense of call to be wise and faithful servants of God's will, rather than inspired by our fear of losing what we knew or our preference to maintain. Did, do we know that the number one reason people give for walking away from church or not being interested in trying church if they weren't raised in it is the perception often based on real experiences, that Christians are hypocrites, that they do not actually practice the love of God and neighbor that they preach. There are books like Unchristian, or You Lost Me, and Unchurched, that reveal this clearly in survey-based data. And maybe we've all had conversations with others that anecdotally support this truth, that the church is not seen as culturally relevant or central anymore. Martin Luther King Jr. tried to warn the church decades ago that this uh, shift in how the culture perceives the church was coming. He said, if the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. But this warning was also an invitation to recapture prophetic zeal, to be those who stand up instead of blending in, those who speak up with God's call to order our lives according to God's will of collective shalom and, and flourishing instead of individual or partisan advancement, those who show up for the sake of neighbors in need of help and love and care. We cannot preach or sing or program or confess or coffee our way to relevance again. We must earn it back by our love. If uh, instead of thinking that our purpose is to just keep doing our programs together in the ways we've always done them, if we can claim a higher purpose of standing up in the midst of our community as God's people, speaking up with God's words of life, words that invite people to the kind of life that's fulfilling and deeply meaningful, and showing up for those who need God's loving help to reach them through willing human partners in faith, we will have authority and relevance. And so the Matthew 25 initiative is not just about the work of God itself, but about how that faithful work transforms the perception of a cynical and skeptical world around us, allowing us to actually engage them. The Matthew 25 initiative invites us to seek God's reformation and transformation by focusing on three areas with intentionality. The first is to build up our vitality as a congregation, to work on ourselves first so that we're stronger and better able to serve in love. 
if, if I was compelled to sign up to run in a 5K to support one of our mission partners, I could not just jump right in and do it that day. I would have to do a lot of training <laughs> to strengthen myself first. Later this fall, we will reflect in worship and in Bible study and in discipleship at home practices, which someone listening can read about on our website. Um, we, will, uh, we will reflect on strengthening vitality in seven areas of being a Christian, Christian life, so that we are built up in strength before running our race of faithful and fruitful ministry. The second and the third foci of this initiative are to dismantle systemic racism and uh, to alleviate systemic poverty. No big deal, right? <laughs> those, will take, those will take much time to prayerfully consider. Uh, and we know we have to be built up in vitality and strength before we even start those prayerful discernments. And so a Matthew 25 committee was formed uh, out from our congregation. It's begun to discern how we might respond in these directions, but for now we focus on strengthening our vitality in anticipation of being called to witness in these, in these particular ways. So this, uh, this Matthew 25 initiative is largely based on the third of Jesus' parables in this chapter of Matthew's Gospel, the parable of the sheep and goats, which uh, will be a couple episodes from now. But in many ways, that parable is the climax of a series of connected teachings and parables of Christ, which we are considering throughout this whole series. The teaching that the heartbeat of our faith is love for God and neighbor is the foundation of this faith that Jesus is seeking to build in place of the temple-centric religion of rules and dogma. And that was, that was in our first um, episode. Last episode, we thought about the parable of the servant, which affirms that faithful living isn't about a meeting and a reckoning with God someday, but about God showing up in the midst of this life, here and now, and finding us faithful. And the parable that we hear today, the parable of the bridemaids, is about ensuring that we are prepared for when God shows up in the midst of our lives, so that when God and God's call um, upon us show up, we're ready to be faithful and able to be faithful. So we have to remember that to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is not a realm that exists somewhere else, that we only enter someday when we die. The kingdom of heaven can overlap with and occupy the same space and time as the earthly realm. If God's will is being done, it's the heavenly realm. Jesus says that uh, the kingdom of heaven will become, will, will materialize like this. Ten bridesmaids went to wait for the coming of the bridegroom. Five took the intentional step to be prepared for this coming by bringing extra oil for their lamps. But five did not take this intentional step. The bridesmaids, uh, or virgins in some translations, um, they were not a pool of eligible maidens from which the groom might choose, because uh, in this context, in Jesus' context, most marriages were often arranged. The parents, uh, you know, let's be honest, the fathers of the bride and the groom would meet to finalize and sign the agreement after all their negotiations. And after that was done, sometimes took a long time to finalize, 
the bridegroom would then go to the village and lead the procession, procession of the bride to the wedding feast. And that feast was a five to seven day celebration. And all young maidens uh, were part of that procession, eligible to be part of that procession. If uh, they were ready, when all was arranged, they joined in the procession to the celebration. So in the parable, when the bridegroom was to come, the lamps were starting to run out of oil. Those who were prepared for this were able to go meet him at his arrival, and those who were not prepared missed out. They had to scramble. They had to run to wherever it was that oil was sold in those days. Uh, I don't think Walmart was there yet. And by the time they got back, the bridegroom had already come and gone. They missed out. They missed out on the celebration, the life, the joy, the best parts of being human. And the parable ends with Jesus' invitation. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. <clears throat> we don't know when God's presence or call is going to arrive in the midst of our days. What does that mean to be prepared? As individuals or as a congregation, so that when God shows up with a calling to stand up, to speak up, to show up in a particular way, so that we're true to our identity as those who represent and participate in the work of God in our community, we are ready to go and meet God, and we are ready to respond, and we don't miss out on the best of life. The first step is to prepare our hearts by nurturing the desire to meet God when God arrives. There were ten maidens who desired to meet the bridegroom when he arrived in the story. And maybe we assume that there are others who just weren't interested. So we have to ask, do we really desire to meet God when and where God shows up in the midst of our lives? Or would we rather just be left alone here and only meet God someday when we die? If we're just interested in meeting God's presence someday, then we aren't the foolish bridesmaids in the story. We are those who aren't even in the story because they didn't even try. As the church, we are those who nurture the deep and driving desire to integrate every day of our lives with the constant presence of God. We want to meet God, to have God meet us any and every day. We desire not just God's love and forgiveness someday, but God's guidance and lordship in the midst of our everyday lives here. So what might we do on a daily basis that reaffirms, nurtures, calls back into focus our desire to encounter God during the moments of that day? What can we do together as a community to nurture that desire so that our life together isn't just preparing people to meet God someday when they die, but preparing us all to watch for and to meet and to follow God every day? The second step is to prepare ourselves to wait and watch, to intentionally ensure our ability to wait on the coming of God if that doesn't happen right away. In Jesus' parable, they took extra oil. Maybe we feel like this means we need an extra cup of coffee. What might sustain us in our own spiritual discipline of waiting on God's presence and guidance to come into the midst of our days? What helps us to stay watchful? What might help us to pay attention in the midst of our everyday living, no matter how crazy our days get, to the presence and call of God breaking in with the guidance or the invitation to participate with word or deed in God's will and God's work? Is it daily engagement with scripture and prayer as our Discipleship at Home initiative is seeking to nurture? Is it the chimes of a clock 
or an alarm that goes off or buzzes on our phone at a regular interval so that we're reminded to stop and pause and watch and listen for God? Is it a watch, a bracelet, a ring, or a necklace that whenever we feel, see, or otherwise become aware of it, we take a moment to watch and consider how God might be speaking in that moment? I have Alpha and Omega tattoos on my wrist. Maybe that's not for everyone, but I found that quite effective. Is it a pause before every meal? Or every glass of water, every cup of coffee or tea? If, if only we all had a God radar that would just beep and blink. And, and what might help us to stay watchful together as a congregation? What might help us to not fall asleep, to not get so focused on ourselves or our preferences for human things like words and music and times and bricks and mortar and aesthetics that we forget to look up from ourselves and watch for God? How will we respond to the invitation and challenge of this Matthew 25 initiative to locate less of our identity and sense of importance in those human things? And those human preferences, and to instead locate more of our identity and sense of purpose by looking up so that we might watch for God and see our neighbors. Will we watch for God and meet our future, or will we miss out on the joy, the life, the best? Because we don't. At the heart of Christianity, at the heart of human life, is love for God and neighbor. It's our commitment to lives of love for God and neighbor that both reveal our faithfulness as God's servants and reveal our relevance to the world around us. God's presence and call show up at a moment's notice any and every day, inviting us to stand up, to speak up, to show up in love for others. And often that faithful response to act in love costs something. Maybe it costs time. Maybe it costs emotional or physical energy. Maybe it costs money. Maybe it demands sacrifice. And so in the next episode, next message, next reflection, we consider the, next, the second parable of Matthew 25, which asks, after we've committed to love God and neighbor and committed to be those wise servants busy with God's work here and now and watched faithfully so that we're ready for God to meet us here, are we willing to invest in sacrifice? in order for us to faithfully follow and act in love. Amen, and may God bless you in your reflections and in your prayers.